Don't you stand with me if you would? And uh, praise God, just you've been sitting there for about five minutes, so now you can stand. Praise God. Change your position around. Amen. Praise God. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? How many of you love the Lord today? It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word that will go out now. It will be a blessing to all those that will hear it, believe it, receive it, and consistently act upon it. We just thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Let's get into the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 10.3. Let's, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians 10.3. If you need a Bible, if you don't have one, you can raise your hands real high. Our ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours for the message today. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, that just means we're human beings. We're, we're living in these physical bodies. We do not war... According to the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. I'll explain what that means here a little more in just a moment. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Or we could say they're not natural weapons. They're not carnal. They're spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God... For the pulling down of strongholds. I want to talk today and let you know that we as Christians are armed and dangerous. I said we're armed and dangerous. Amen. Real loud say I'm armed and dangerous. Well, we're armed and dangerous. You need to remember that. But we're not armed with guns or knives or hand grenades. <laughs> But yet we're armed and dangerous, spiritually speaking. Now, you know as well as I do, you cannot go and get on a jet airplane here in the United States if you're armed with knives or guns or hand grenades. Is that right? But you can be armed with the weapons that God has given us and you can get on the plane. Amen? You go right through, right through the security. They won't stop you. But I'm glad that we're armed and dangerous. And I want to talk to you about the armory that God has given us. Now, notice Ephesians 6, verse 12. Why has not God armed us with guns or knives and those kinds of things? Why has he not armed us with those things? Well, notice Ephesians 6, 12 will tell you. Right here, the Bible says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That means we do not wrestle against other human beings. That's what it means by flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Did you know your next door neighbor that's driving you crazy, you don't want to go get get, get in a physical fight with him? Did you hear me? Your mother-in-law. Right? You don't want to get in a physical fight with her. Some of your mother-in-laws could whoop you, huh? But you understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible's telling us here that we don't need to go get into a physical fight with somebody. 
For we wrestle not our, 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 the combat that we have to do does not have to do with fighting other people. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but now the Bible is going to tell us who we do wrestle against. Against what? Principalities? Powers? Against the rulers of darkness of this age? Against what? Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is our struggle? Uh, who is our struggle against? It's not against human beings, but it's against the devil and demon powers. Is that right? Now, now is that right? Now, that's exactly right. Now, I've got some good news for you, though. That the enemy has been disarmed. Isn't that wonderful? Look at Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Notice this. We're fighting against an enemy, the devil and his demonic forces. We're fighting against them all right, but they've already been disarmed. Notice that Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers. He, that's Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? That's in his complete redemptive work. His, his, his death, burial, and his resurrection. Amen? Having disarmed principalities and powers. Well, that verse we just read said that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and so forth. And here the Bible says that Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. So that's good, isn't it? Is that wonderful? So really, we're fighting. It's a fixed fight, isn't it? Jesus fixed it for us, didn't he? He he, he disarmed the devil and his demonic powers. Is that wonderful? And so we're, we're combating an enemy that's been disarmed. Now, triumphing over them in it. Let's, let's look at Ephesians 1 for a little more on that. I think this is just good to look at because we can see more clearly when Jesus disarmed the enemy. If you're going to live in this world, you're going to need to know what we're talking about here today. Otherwise, you're going to be continuously defeated. When did Jesus defeat, when did he disarm? We'll say it that way, defeat or disarm the enemy. Look at Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the, from the what? From the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, real loud say far above. Yeah, far above all what? Principality and power and might and dominion. Amen. So when did he disarm the enemy? When he was raised from the dead. That's what the Bible said right there. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age but also in which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the to the church. Well, that's you and me, right? If we're saved, if we're born again. 
So where are the principalities and the powers? Where are they? They're under our feet. That's a good place to have the enemy, isn't it? Isn't that a good place to have the enemy? It's a good place to have him. Now I said all that to say this. Even though the enemy has been disarmed. Even though all of that has happened. Even though that according to the Bible here, the devil's under our feet. That's all true. We just read it from the Bible. What you need to realize is that the devil doesn't like it under our feet. And he tries to get out from under our feet. And if you do not know what I'm about to share with you now in these next few minutes that lay ahead of us, you you can know everything we just said. You can know that the devil's been defeated. You can know that he's been disarmed. You can know that, 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 that he's under, under your feet. You can know all of that. But if you don't know what I'm about to share with you now, all of that isn't going to do you any good. Did you hear me? Because the devil can get out from underneath your feet. And he can harass you and he can torment you. And he can actually... Uh, 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 keep you in a defeated state if you let him. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you, did you get that? If you let him. Say if you let him. If you let him. And did you know that I would say probably 90% or better of the Christians I know let him. Maybe more. Probably 95 Probably closer to 98%. Is that sad? And, and, and there's much we could say, but I think it's because they don't get this next part of what we're going to share. And so I want you to get it. Let's go to Ephesians 6. It's because people don't understand that God has given us armory, weapons. What's the title of this message? Armed and dangerous. But... See, a lot of Christians don't know they've been armed. And not only do they not know that they've been armed by God, but they don't know what the armory is. They don't know what the weapons are. And, and if you don't know what the weapons are, how can you use them? A lot of people, they, 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 I mean, you know, if somebody gave you a gun, I, I, I know a little bit about guns. You need to know how to work that baby. Is that right? I mean, you could have a gun laying there and you could have it armed and you could still not be dangerous. You know why? Because you don't know how to work the gun. And so the criminal's coming in your house and you don't know how to, how to get, how to get the gun. You understand what I'm saying? Where it'll shoot. What good is it going to do you? And so that's the way it is with spiritual things. Uh, so many Christians don't even have a clue that God has armed them. And if they do have a clue that God has armed them, they don't know how they don't know how the weapons work. So that's what I want to share with you. Do you have about 15, 20 minutes for me to go over this with you? I want you to I want you to realize you're armed and dangerous. You need to know what the weapons are. You need to know how to work them. Okay. so let's let's look at this here in Ephesians six, verse 10. And you'll want to hold your place here because we'll come back to it. But look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren. He's talking to Christians here. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay. Put on the whole what? Armor, Armor of God. See, there it is. 
There's the weapons. Now we're going to specifically look at each one here as we go. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, I thought he was defeated. He is. I thought he was under our feet. He is. Unless you don't know how to work this armory and then he can get out from under there and harass you. Put on. Now notice that again. Put on. Real loud say put on. See, it's available to you, but you've got to put it on. Did you hear what I just said? It's available to you, but you've got to put it on. Put on, notice, the whole armor of God. I'm going to say a little bit more about this later today, but did you know that as we study these different pieces of weaponry, it's possible to have one piece of weaponry on, but not another? Did you hear what I just said? Is it in the natural, is it possible to have your shirt on but not your shoes? Or is it possible to have your shoes on, not your shirt? Huh? Yeah, it is. So is it possible to have, is it possible, is it possible for me, uh, well I would take the belt off but I got my pack on it, but I could take my belt off and I'd still have my shoes on but I wouldn't have my belt on, is that right? Or I could have my belt on, but take my shoes off, and I'd have my belt on, not my shoes. Say the whole armor. armor. You want to keep it all on. Did you hear me? So that's why we need to look at each of the pieces of the armor. You need to understand some things about each of the pieces. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, well we've, we've read that, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, you know, we read that a moment ago, but now you can see how it fits in the context here. You need to have the whole armor of God on so that you can deal with these demonic powers, even though they've been defeated. Isn't that wonderful? They've been disarmed. Isn't that wonderful? They've been disarmed, but we've been armed. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good? They've been disarmed, but we've been armed. There's no reason for Christians to not be victorious. There's no reason for Christians to live under the dominion of the devil and, and be defeated because the devil's been disarmed. We've been armed. But if you don't know about the armory, the devil's going to have a heyday with you. So put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. He tells us who we're wrestling against. We're wrestling against an enemy that's been disarmed. I just can't get off that. You know, it's embarrassing to be defeated by somebody. They've been disarmed and we've been armed and yet they're still being victorious over us. Isn't that sad? That's sad, isn't it? Is that sad? It just shows a bunch of laziness on Christians' parts, doesn't it? Not getting in and finding out about the... Uh, uh, is that right? We need to find out about these weapons. It's embarrassing. I mean, it'd be different if the devil had all this armory and, and God hadn't given us any and the devil's winning. Then you could understand it. But my goodness, the devil, Jesus disarmed the devil, and then he armed us, and yet the devil's still beating Christians? Isn't that sad? That's embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing if I took on Andre the Giant, and Andre the Giant beat me. You could understand that. But if a little third grader, little girl third grader whipped me, that'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? 
And yet that's much what we're dealing with. When Christians are defeated by the devil, he's been disarmed, we've been armed, and yet he's beating us. You know why it is? Because we don't understand the weaponry. So let's talk about it. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Well, we just said where the Bible just said, put it on. And here it says, take it up. So it's saying the same thing. You've got to put it on. You've got to take it up. Real loud, say, take up. up. Yeah, take up the whole armor of God. Put it on. Take it up. See, it's available to you. But if you don't put it on, if you don't take it up, it's, it's worthless. Is that right? So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now here we go. Having girded your waist with truth. There's the first piece of weaponry. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the what? Shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? The word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now I'm not going to spend much time on verse 18 here today. But you need to know that verse 18 really is what keeps the other uh, uh, verses above it uh, entwined and working together and running properly is prayer. Real loud say prayer. So after we study these different pieces of weaponry, remember that praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit is necessary to have these pieces of weaponry operate properly. Okay? So let's start with the first one. Real loud say belt of truth. Say it again, belt of truth, the belt of truth. What did the Bible say? Right here it says, uh, having having girded your waist with truth, if you study it out, that's the belt of truth. So you have a spiritual belt. Your belt will keep your pants up, is that right? What What is your spiritual belt? It's the belt of truth. Well, what does that mean? How do I take that up? How do I put that on? How do I, how do I, because see, this is where a lot of times people get confused. Well, how in the world I know how I put my physical clothes on? How do I put my spiritual clothes on? Well, I'm going to explain it. You don't really do it the same way. You know, how, how many of you got dressed this morning? I can see everybody did. You, you. Put your, you know, you put your pants on, you know, one leg at a time. Is that right? I mean, or your dress or whatever the case is, right? But, but it doesn't really work that way spiritually. How do you put the belt of truth on? What is the belt of truth? Well, hold your place here. Look at John seventeen seventeen. John seventeen seventeen. It's very simple. I'm going to keep this as simple because it is simple. You need scholars to make this difficult. You understand? And they'll make it difficult. They'll make it where you can't understand it. Look at John 17, 17. Jesus said, speaking to his disciples, you know, and whatnot, sanctify them by your truth. And then he says, your word is, your word is truth. 
What is the belt of truth? It is the written word of God. How do you, how do you put the belt of truth on? You regularly, how many of you get dressed every day? Oh, okay. So every day you read and you study the written word of God. Is that right? And you get yourself to a point where you have a working knowledge of the word of God. And really right in there is why most Christians that I know anything about are defeated. Because about the only time they'll touch their Bible is when they come to church. And it gathers dust the rest of the week. Now you know it's true as well as I do. When I was younger, I'd have my Bible and it would lay on the seat of my car. And it would lay there. And then I uh, I would come to church, you know. On Sunday, and uh, I'd pick it up. I'd look at it on Sunday while the pastor was teaching, and then after the service, I would go lay it back in the seat of my car, and there it stayed until next Sunday, or till Wednesday night, actually. And then I, you wonder why I'm defeated, you know, at the time. So the 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 word of God is uh, is important. I said the word of God is important. I said the word of God is important. Amen. I said the word of God is important. Amen. I said the word of God is important. Amen. Amen. All right. So what's the belt of truth? It's what? It's the word of God. And how do you put the belt of truth on? How do you do it? How do you do it? You just simply every day you read, study the word of God. That's how you keep it on. Amen. Did you hear me? Okay. You okay? All right, now let's look at the next one. Let's read right here in in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Let's read right here in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Remember it said, take up the whole armor of God. And it said, girded your waist with truth. That's a belt of truth. Is that right? All right. Now having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now what is... The breastplate of righteousness. What is it? How do you put it on? Well, it's very simple. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Amen. When you have it, say amen. 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 For he made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in Him. Is that good news? So how do you put on this breastplate of righteousness? You simply understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We would say it another way. You have a revelation of that. You understand that. Now, here's what the devil will do. He'll come at you with thoughts and other things to try to get you to think that you're a no good, dirty old dog. Now, has that ever happened to anybody besides me? And and has that happened to anybody recently besides me? Huh? That's one of the ways the devil operates. 
to try to get you to think that you're not any good, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, you just aren't quite what you need to be. Well, keep that breastplate of righteousness on. How do I keep that on? Understand and know that you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you have right standing with Almighty God because of what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. You've got to and keep that breastplate on. Keep it. How do I keep it on? By continually maintaining uh, an understanding that you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you you are are you you don't, don't only have presence before the throne of God. You have presence on the throne of God. How well? Study the Word. It says we're seated with Him in heavenly places. Amen. See, when somebody starts talking like that, most Christians will, that don't have their armor on will say, well, he's being haughty and he's being boastful. Who does he think he is? I'll tell you who I think I am. I'm the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I, and I have a place on the throne of God. How can he say that? Because the Bible said it. We're seated with him. Now, did I say I was God? Absolutely not. Never have been, am not now, never will be, and neither are you. But I have, I have a place with God, and so do you. But you see, when people, you know it's, a, it's the old worm mentality, the dirty old worm dog mentality. Is that right? Religion will put that on you. Well, I have to go begging and crawling into the throne of God. See, what does that show you? That shows you a Christian that does not have the breastplate of righteousness on. Did you hear me? So you put that breastplate on, you'll be able to stand, you'll be able to come, what does the Bible say, come how to, come how? Come boldly to the throne of grace, see? You come boldly when you've got that breastplate on. Now it's not in and of ourselves, in and of ourselves, we, we have no place at the throne of God. But we're not in and of ourselves, we got Jesus and the blood, amen, of Jesus, see? Is that right? So because of that, then we've got this breastplate of righteousness. Say, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. See, now that's how you keep that breastplate on. You have a mentality of that. And if you'll stay in the Word of God every day, you'll be able to... See, if you'll keep that belt of truth on, then you'll be able to maintain that breastplate of righteousness. You okay? Now then, here's the next one. Let's, let's look at this. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace... Uh, how do you do that? How do you do that? How in the world do you do that? It's very simple. Uh, I call this, this right here the gospel shoes. Real loud say gospel shoes. The gospel shoes. How, how do you, how do you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? It, I mean, that sounds confusing. Shod with, how do you, how do you do that? I'll tell you how you do it. It's very simple. You go wherever you can and tell people about Jesus. That's it. That's it right there. You go. Didn't Jesus say go into all the world and preach the gospel? And it's the gospel of peace, isn't it? That, that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's how you keep those shoes on. You, you on a regular basis, look for people to tell them of the good news of Jesus. Did you hear me? 
So if you haven't been doing that, guess what? You've been going out of your house without your shoes on. Your gospel shoes. Did you hear me? Something we all probably need to look at. Maybe there's a few people like the Sissels over here. They've got their gospel shoes on, brother. They left, they left Missouri and they went to Costa Rica and they're ministering to all kinds of people down there, hurting people. They're helping hurting people. Now, if you want to see a group or a couple that has a, that has their gospel shoes on right here on the front row today, they've got their gospel shoes on. Now, I'm not saying the rest of you don't. I just, I, I just know these two have, you see. But how many of you know you don't have to go to Costa Rica to have your gospel shoes on? You go to Walmart. Is that right? Amen? So, so, so that's pretty easy, isn't it? See, you'd need, you'd need help from a scholar to misunderstand this. So what's the next one then? Well, let's see. Above all, so this next one is really important. Taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. What is the shield of faith? What is the shield of faith? What is that? How, do I, how does that work? Well, it's very, very simple. Do you know what the shield of faith is? Well, you know, faith is believing God, right? But, but, but I heard a man share this some years ago, and man, it just, just opened this up to me. It's so simple. The shield of faith is your belief system based on the Word of God. It's your belief system based on the Word of God. Our structure of beliefs based on the word of God that prevent the lies of the devil from permeating us and harming us. It's like a bug zapper. What happens when a bug hits a zapper? It goes, and the bug's dead. Is that right? It's like on Star Trek. Have you ever watched Star Trek where the captain says, shields up? That means when the, when the enemy shoots their, their weapons at the Enterprise, it can't get through the, the shields. Is that right? It's a shield of faith. We need to keep our shields up. Now, let me give you an example that will drive this home. If I stood up here and I said, Jesus is the virgin born. Now, we're going to find out if you've got your, your shield up. If I stood up here and said, Jesus is the virgin born son of God. Now, will that information be able to get through your shield? In other words, do you have a problem with that? You okay? Alright, if I stood up here and I said, Jesus was a good man, but he was not born of a virgin. Uh-oh, real loud, we all better do what we all, go That doesn't make it through, does it? Alright, now if I stood up here and I said, we're seeing if you've got your shield of faith up. Uh, if you'll give... To God, if you'll give finances to the Lord on a regular and consistent basis, He will bless you financially. Now, He may not make you a millionaire, but you'll have enough to get by on, and you'll you'll get to a point where you'll you'll have something left over to give somebody else. Does, does that get through? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, what if I said this? If you'll give a hundred dollars before you leave today, by tomorrow this time. I can guarantee it to you, you'll have $1,000 come to you in the mail. Are you okay? So you got your shield of faith up, don't you? You get, you get the point? You okay? If I sit, stood up here and I said, 
Jesus is the best way to get to heaven, but there's many roads that lead there. That gets zapped, doesn't it? But if I say to you that Jesus is the only way to God the Father, that, that's good. Is that going to get through? So you see, and again, this, isn't it amazing? This all goes back to the belt of truth. It all goes back to the Word of God. If you don't have a working knowledge of the Word of God, there's no way you can have your shield of faith up. We need to keep our shield of faith up, don't we? And also, we need to have an understanding of how faith operates. You hear the word, you believe the word, you speak it, you do it. All of this has to do with having your shield of faith up. Amen? How do you receive something from God? You have to know it's His will. You have to hear the word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Then once you hear the word of God, you have to believe it. Once you believe it, now you're in faith. Is that right? But it doesn't do you any good unless you release your faith. How do you release your faith? With words and or actions. So you have to have an understanding of that. And then you can have your shield of faith up. Now then, just two more of these and then we'll be done. What's the next one? The next one is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What, how do you put that on? What, how do you keep that on? Well, a helmet has to do with protecting your your head or your your mind, right? Your mind. Realize, say mind. Your mind. Now, I want you to get this because here's where so many people get defeated by the devil. It's what goes on in that six-inch space between your two ears. Right there. That's where the devil defeats most Christians, right there. In their mind. Joyce Meyer has a great book out. She's had it out for years. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And actually, probably the biggest battles that you'll have to do with the enemy has to do with your mind. Well, isn't it good that God has given us the helmet of salvation to protect your mind? Now, how do you put this piece of armory on? It's very simple. Just listen to this. Isaiah said this in the book of Isaiah. He said that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. How do you keep the helmet of salvation on? You fix your mind on Almighty God. You fix your mind on the word of God. The psalmist said it this way. Blessed is the person uh, who meditates in the word of God. Day and night. That's fixing your mind on the Lord, isn't it? And did you know that that's how you put this helmet of salvation on? By fixing your mind on God, staying your mind on God, meditating on Him day and night. And do you know what will happen as you do that? Your mind will eventually be transformed And instead of thinking the way the world thinks, you'll start thinking the way God thinks. Did you hear what I just said? That's important, isn't it? Now, go to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. I want you to look at this. And I want to spend just a little time here because we're almost finished. But I I want you to get this. Because as I said a moment ago, right here in the mind is where most of the... Battles with the devil are fought. Right here in your mind. I said right here in your mind. 
right here in your mind. Second Corinthians ten four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We've read that already, haven't we? But then let's get verse five. Let's get verse five. Casting down what? Arguments. Now, that's the New King James Version. The King James Version says, casting down imaginations. Have you ever had some wild imaginations going in your mind? Anybody ever have that happen besides me? The devil will hit you with some pretty wild imaginations. The Bible says, casting down arguments. Casting down imaginations. There's one version, I think it's the Message Bible. I don't know if we have that one, I think we do. I think it's the Message Bible says, uh, let's see, it says casting down, this is verse number 5, is that? It says warped what? Smashing what? Warped philosophies. Did you know that this armory that we have, this helmet of salvation, this word of God that we're supposed to fix our minds on, it will cast down imaginations, it will cast down arguments, it will cast down warped philosophies. Now, I've seen a whole lot of people over the years where the devil, I've watched this, they'll get one church arguing with another, now listen carefully, say I'm listening, They'll get one church arguing with another church over a certain Bible doctrine. Well, the one church says that you have to immerse the person, which I believe in baptism you immerse them, but another church will say you just sprinkle them. Well, how many of you know whether you dunk them or whether you sprinkle them? I believe in dunking, but how many of you know water doesn't wash away sins? It's the blood of Jesus. But here's what happens. You've got both churches. Neither one of them has their armor on. They're saved. They're going to heaven, all right. But they're defeated by the devil. Why? Because what happens is the devil gets them arguing one with the other. As to whether you dunk or whether you sprinkle. Did you hear me? And so, 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 so they get them arguing. And, and guess what happens? They're arguing. And while they're arguing, they don't have their gospel shoes on. And so they get the two churches arguing, and guess what? While they're arguing over something that is totally insignificant, you got people by the truckload dying and going to hell. Did you get what I just said? I know, because I lived, I lived uh, bound up by this for years and years. The argument between the Calvinist and the Arminius. How many of you ever heard of them? The Calvinists and the Armenians, which one's right? Calvin says, once saved, always saved. Armenius says that you get saved, but if you commit a little sin, then you're lost and you've got to get saved all over again. How many of you know Calvin is not completely right? Armenius is not completely right. Did you hear me? The truth is in the middle of the road. Yet you'll get people, they're going to they're gonna argue, there's scholarly people, they're so smart, you know, and they're going to argue and go through all of this over whether, is Calvin right, is Armenius right? And in the end, you know what? You check those people out, they don't ever get anybody saved. Why? Because the devil's got them right where he wants them. Arguing and fussing one with another. 
So I'm not arguing and fussing over insignificant things. Amen? You can just argue all you want to, but I'm not arguing with ding-dongs anymore. Did you hear me? But you see how the devil, you see we think the devil operates a certain way. But a lot of times he operates in ways that we miss. You know it as well as I do. He'll get, he'll get, he'll get some kind of thing concocted in your head. And he'll say, well, you know, the pastor didn't shake your hand last Sunday. Uh, uh, he mustn't love you anymore. Now, you know that that, ha- that happens to people. Or the pastor hasn't shook my hand in three weeks. He mustn't love us anymore. And you can, and if you don't deal with that, you know, and because the pastor didn't shake my hand, well, I guess God doesn't love me anymore. Did you know that's how the devil operates? And the next thing you know, you'll stop coming to church because... You'll get this concocted that nobody at the church and God does. They don't love me anymore, so I'm not going there anymore. And you know that's a lie. Say that's a lie. But because you don't have the helmet of salvation on, guess what? You've got this thing concocted in your head. How many of you, there's ever been a time in your life where you thought somebody thought something about you, but when you really found out the truth, they didn't think that about you at all? That's the devil at work. Helping you with your... How many of you have a bizarre imagination like me? And you just knew somebody thought something about you, but then when it came out, they didn't think that about you at all. But your imagination together, and my imagination doesn't need much help from the devil. But when you get help from the devil, how many know you really got a problem? Huh? Are you, are you okay? And you see the war goes on up here in the mind. It it doesn't matter if it's Armenia, Calvin, he don't love me, she don't love me, he thinks this, she thinks that. I called them on the phone. And they didn't call me back right away. They didn't get back, they didn't text me back right away. I texted them, they didn't text me back right away. They emailed me, I emailed them, and I emailed them, but they didn't email me back right away. They mustn't love me anymore. They, blah, 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 blah. How many of you would agree with me? Your imagination doesn't need any help from the devil. But when you get help from the devil, it really gets bizarre. The littlest old thing, huh? Huh? How many of you husbands and wives need to hear this this morning? Huh? Well, he didn't respond to me just quite right. She didn't respond to me just quite right. And your imagination is bad enough, but then you get the devil help, and that's really, now you really got a problem, don't you? And you can get so, so bound up in your head that there's no way you can walk in victory. Are you all out there? Am I boring anybody? Or are you getting it? Is this right? Is this true? I mean, I, I, this has been so bad with me. I just want to all, sometimes go out and just beat my head against the tree or just shake, you know. It, but if we'll keep our helmet on and we'll be thinking in line with the Word of God... Then these things, these little, these little, what is it, uh, 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 mountains won't be coming out of molehills. Amen? But when you don't have your helmet on, you're, and you're not thinking in line with the Word of God, then the littlest old thing could throw you off. And the next thing you know, the molehill has become a mountain. And the devil has you bound. And, and, and he'll get you arguing about this and arguing about that and arguing about the other. And then you know you're, you're, you're under his feet instead of him being under yours. How do we keep the helmet of salvation on? By fixing our mind on the word of God. 
Look at Colossians 2.8. I, 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 I'm a little long here today, but this, if you get a hold of this, your life will go better. Look at Colossians 2.8, NIV. Casting down warped philosophies. Look at Colossians 2.8. Let's read this in the NIV. Colossians 2.8, NIV. See to it that no one's take, see to it, NIV. See to it that no one takes you what? Captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of, uh, of this world rather than on Christ. That's why we like to warn the young people before they go off to college. You can go into some of those doctors. Doctors. They're doctors. Doctors of philosophy. Well, we ought to show them some respect because of the study they've done, but you need to realize they're some of the dumbest people in the room. Did you realize that? I said, did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? And by the time they get done with you, they'll chew you up and spit you out. And if you don't understand, I've watched people that, I've watched Christians, they go off to college. Nothing wrong with college. I'm a college graduate. I teach college. I used to teach college. I'm all for it. But if you don't have your, your, your mind thinking right, you can go into these classes, sit down, and these, these philosophy teach, they're, 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 many of them are, they're set up by the devil to try to get you to leave Jesus. Did you hear me? And by the time they get done with you, they'll chew you up, spit you out. You won't know whether you're coming or going. And you, I've watched them. I, watched, I, I know of one particular young, young man that loved the Lord and was saved. And, and he went into philosophy class. And that guy corrupted him to the point he don't even believe anymore today. Isn't that sad? So you have to have your breastplate on. I know I dealt with, I dealt with that same guy at that same college and he would have done the same thing to me. I, fortunately, I had my, 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 my helmet on. Say the helmet of salvation. Thinking in line, you know, with the Word of God, never letting your mind get off of what the Word of God says. Amen. Well, has the, has the earth been here? Has it been here 6,000 years or has it been here millions and millions of years? I can argue either point. You know what? I'm not arguing about that no more. It is what it is. It's been here however long it's been here. I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad I'm going to heaven. Amen? Amen. But I'm not fussing and arguing over how long the earth has been here. I just know we didn't come down from a monkey. Now, I've seen some people that I thought they've come down from monkeys, but, but we haven't. Amen? My goodness. And then we'll conclude with the last one. Say, the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The Word of God. Now, how does this one work? Well, the sword of the What is the belt of truth? The belt of truth is knowing this book. But what is the sword of the Spirit? I'll tell you what it is. The sword of the Spirit is speaking this book. Did you get what I just said? The belt is knowing it. The sword is speaking it. You see again and again where that word comes out of Jesus' mouth and it's the sword of the Spirit. Did you hear me? Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are alive. You see, the belt of truth is knowing the book. The spirit, the, the sword of the spirit is speaking the book. Amen. Did you get what I just said? The belt is knowing the Bible. The sword of the spirit is speaking the Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. If the devil were to come in here and materialize right there, he's a spirit being. If I swung this book at him, 
would this book, this is the sword of the spirit, the word of God, would this book hurt him? Absolutely not. I could just swing it through him, wouldn't hurt him. He's not afraid of the book in this form. Say in this form. In this form. I mean, he is in one sense, but he really isn't. You know what really frightens him? Is when you get this book in your spirit and it starts coming out your mouth with a believing heart. Did you hear what I just said? I tell you what, if you'll get this book in your spirit, the devil can show up and you'll start speaking the words of this book out of your mouth from a believing heart. And you can take this book and you can speak it and you can slice the devil up every which way you can imagine. And you can run him right back under your feet where he belongs. Did you hear me? But if you don't declare it out of your mouth from a believing heart, he's not afraid of you. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Let's all stretch our hands over here to to John. Amen. His sister went on to be with the Lord last night. Amen. I just felt impressed to just come over and just encourage you. But his sister went on to be with the Lord. I said his sister went on to be with the Lord. And so it's a time of sadness. Now listen, it's a time of sadness for those that remain behind because they'll miss her, you see. But it's a time of gladness for her. It's all a matter of perspective. See, from the Lord's standpoint, see, from our standpoint, it's, it's a sad thing, and it is. But from the Lord's standpoint, it's a precious thing. Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Glory to God. You know, the good news is, is she just got herself back right with the Lord just right before she went. Isn't that, is that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, what did the thief on the cross say? Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that wonderful? And now that she's with the Lord, she wouldn't have it any other way. She wouldn't have it any other way. But yet there is a sadness for those that remain behind. So I just felt impressed to come over here and encourage you and tell you what I just told you. Much of which you already know. But also too, I felt like the Lord wanted me to get this over to you. Remember when word came to Jesus about the death of John the Baptist. If you remember what Jesus did, he pulled apart by himself for a while. So there was a time of grieving. But then the Bible said he went out and ministered. He went out and ministered. We're talking about spiritual warfare here today. Have your time of grief. That's godly and he'll help you with that. But then after you come out of that, be, just get more, if it's possible, get more turned on to winning souls to the Lord than ever getting people healed. And that's, and that's, how, you can, that's how you can make an attack back at the devil. By going out and getting people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and healed by the power of God. Amen. Praise God. So just hang on to these words today and be encouraged in your time of grief. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Praise God. If you need Jesus, be sure you come up to the front today. There'll be some men and women standing up here before you leave today. And you can give your heart to Jesus if you've never done that before. Praise God. How many of you are glad to be Christians?